This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Botox Cosmetic. Out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Book Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Same old issue, see Town drop points on the road again. Let's be honest, all of us want this season done and dusted, don't we? Let's move on to next season. This is the Blue Monday podcast. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast, discussing the town up or down and dropping points since 2015. I'm Richard Woodward and you're tuning into the flagship show available each week on podcast and video. This is the Shrewsbury Away edition and joining me is Seb Brown and Craig Fimbo. Thought I'd enunciate there. Gentlemen, how are we doing? As per the start, Seb, are you looking forward to these? You, your northern away days are uh, plenty at the moment. Are you enjoying these? <laughs> Do we have we enjoyed being Ipswich fans for the last twenty years? I'm not sure that's the term I, I would use. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm fortunate where I am. I can I can get to a lot of games in the the running. I'm doing crew in a couple of weeks' time, but I, I wouldn't necessarily roll. describe yesterday as overly enjoyable. Let's be honest; it, it was a very much an end of season game, and I guess we'll we'll come on to that and discuss it. But but yeah, like you said in the intro, we're we're all ready for the summer now, aren't we? We are. The sun's out. Um, full disclosure, Craig and I had tickets for Saturday and for various reasons could or or decided not to travel. Craig, are you feeling good about that decision? Uh, yeah, I think what we need to do, we need to start some sort of new new fad. In, the, in it, You can buy, tic- buy tickets to away games and don't attend them. Yeah, we can be like a start a new collection. I've got them here, like in my. This is like the um, on eBay, eBay where you can buy football shirts brand new with the tags. It's brand new in the envelope. Yeah, that's right. I've got a a senior and senior, an adult and a under six, under eighteen, whatever it was, ticket there. If anybody wants to bid, bid for those um, untouched. So no, just instead, instead, spent the morning making sausage rolls and spent the afternoon putting a bat rubber on a cricket bat as you do on a Saturday. Oh, as you do. I mean, this is the season for that. It's, it's very much out. that Venn diagram. As I said to Mullet, it's the Venn diagram of cricket and football seasons now. They've fully overlapped. This is, yeah, we're in full overlap mode. There we go. I can't find a segue off overlap or cricket rubbers. So um, let's talk about some news. Pretty much everyone on the podcast has given their opinion of the one-year anniversary of Game Changer. Obviously, Craig, you were part of our pod klaxon bat signal going out for the announcement around a year ago when that was confirmed. How are you feeling a year in? Um, try and give us an opinion that we haven't heard already. Difficult. Let's give it the same as everyone it's else. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was that time of year, wasn't it? Last this time last year, we were having we seem to be having klaxons every every couple yeah. of weeks, whether it be. Paul Cook joining, or rumours about Mark. Yeah, rumours about Marcus Evans leaving, and then confirmation that Marcus Evans was leaving. Um, I think Seb um, pretty much covered it on the pre-match show, and saying that off the pitch they haven't. I think I haven't missed a beat. I think he said, or I haven't missed a step. One of those two, and it's it's pretty much exactly right, isn't it? That off the pitch, you know, whether it be the fan interaction, whether it be the, the social media presence, whether it be the 
infrastructure they're putting in behind the scenes from a staff perspective, from a network perspective, from a assisting the the head coach or manager perspective, it's all it's all there. And I'm sure you know, there aren't going to be many League One managers who are being backed as um, structurally and financially as as McKenna will be now, you know, going forwards. Um, so yeah, and also interestingly, that they have um, very noticeably once once the whole fanfare and the, the takeover was sort of done and dusted in the foot and the we got to the close season of last year, they've been very quiet, haven't they? They've let the football people do the talking. Um, well, let Mark Ashton do the talking pretty much, um, which is fine. And occasionally they'll pop up when it's the anniversary, when something special's happened. Yeah, they'll they'll uh, you'll, you'll see them, but they've now stepped into the background and let the football people um, carry on. So, you know, I'm sure even from a an Ashton perspective and a, and a McKenna perspective, they're not you know, the noses aren't being stuck in too much. They're just letting the the experts get on with with their with their jobs, you know, they've put them in place and are trusting them to do their job. Can you believe such a thing that an owner trusts someone in a role of uh, responsibility to get on and do their job? So, yeah, off the pitch, 10 out of 10, you, know, you, can't, you really can't um, knock it, but it's on the pitch where it will count and you know, they can't directly affect that. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see again in the summer, I suppose, how much um, backing. I can't imagine it will it'll be for the want of uh, financial backing that will go again and uh, look to strengthen because you know they're not they're not going to be gaining anything from sitting around in what what position are we in the league at the moment i think we're the most ninth. Eighth, eighth is it tenth we could oh, ninth. yeah that's it with a nice ninth. healthy points buffer to protect our position as well we don't yeah. want anyone nicking force that ninth. field yeah ninth <laughs> force field. so yeah so you know off the pitch perfect on the pitch we'll see yeah same old one of the things that always comes up, Seb, when it comes to the ownership and the direction under Mark Ashton is the chat about the academy. One player who has tried to find pathway outside the club on loan this season is Armando Dobra, who returned for the under-23s against Hull last week. And um, essentially a joint decision between the two clubs, according to Kieran McKenna, for him to return and train with us. It's a really annoying, bad situation, isn't it? That alone, isn't it? Yeah, really, really frustrating one. He's he's not featured since Jan- the first week of January. He's, I think he's made it 13 starts and a few sub appearances with a couple of goals. So it's not gone how any of us wanted it to go. It reminds me of the you know Tristan Nider went up to Scotland a couple of years ago and barely featured, and it's got all the hallmarks of that. I guess you you know you want him to go out like in Darber and play. 35 40 game of men's senior football and then come back a much more rounded and polished player but he's just he's just not had that for whatever reason there's an argument should he have perhaps chosen somewhere else to go you know i'm assuming going to call you firstly he's going to know 90 percent of the squad given the uh the transition down the a12 in the summer uh secondly i assume he's still living in ipswich so you know part of a a development loan for a young player is to take yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone, isn't it? And go and learn how to to, to, to live as well, as well as play football. You know, it's like when, when we go to uni and suddenly you've got to learn how to do your washing and your ironing, that kind of thing. You know, I think part of it, there's, well, an, off, there's an off... Well, yeah, you take it home for your parents <laughs> you go back for, uh, for your summer bigger, holidays and Christmas just holidays. Just get bigger bin bags. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's a really, really frustrating one. Obviously, he's come back now, I guess, so McKenna can, can look at him, but I can't really see how, he, how he's going to feature here. Can you? I think he'll be one that moves on in the summer. He was he was so exciting when he broke through a couple of years ago, but things have changed now. And given the position he plays, can we really say he's going to get in ahead of Burst Anselina if he stays, Sonny Aluko if he stays, Connor Chaplin, Carl Edwards, you know, I guess he's one that will will move on in the summer. And it'll be interesting where he goes because when he had the, the contract signature thing, you know, we don't know how much of it was agent talk, but there was interest from Brighton, wasn't there? And a couple of clubs apparently and bids were made. So he was clearly very, very highly rated. And uh, unfortunately, he's kind of lost a year of his development. And I guess he'll have to go out now and try and try and find somewhere else to, to start to build things. But I, I can't see him being here at the start of next season personally. So he can't, he's still registered with Cole U for the first yeah, he team. Can't play, can he? Yeah, can't he play can. for our first team. So he's only under 23 games that he. Yeah, but McKenna can see him in training, can't he? And see, sure. see, see what he's got about him, I guess, between, between now and the end of the year. I think he's got another year on his deal with Ipswich as well. And an option, I think. Yeah. So I think it's a, it could be two years if wanted. So we should get some, some decent value for him, I guess. And I guess to your point about learning experiences and development, part of it perhaps is as Ipswich fans, you know, we spoke to Alan Lee about this in an interview we did last summer with TWTD about the amount of adulation and attention a young player coming through the team gets from our support, 
no, which isn't a bad thing, but actually it's, it, it, it is a mixed blessing because essentially it inflates the ego to an extent or starts to make players maybe believe the hype. Dare we say that maybe Armando Dobre and his, his team have maybe been uh, suckered in by that and actually this is a really useful learning experience to maybe re-motivate him that he's not the end product yet? Maybe, yeah. I mean, we're, we always favour our own, so to speak, doing the ones that come through the academy. But I guess also you've got to bear in mind the team he came through in. Christ, we were so desperate for some sort of spark, weren't we, or something to to happen in the teams he was dropped into under Lambert because nothing would happen for, for 90 minutes that I think we kind of maybe made him out to, to seem better than he was. I, I always liked him. He was a fiery character. You know, he, he'd get himself in, in, in trouble every now and again. He had that that bit about him. But unfortunately, it's just, it's just not worked out this year, has it? And when we've moved on as a club, and I think I'm Unfortunately, he's going to be one of the ones that gets left behind. Yeah, it's a shame. Another person who's having to find football elsewhere. It's a bit of a strange situation, Craig, is under-23 striker Tessa Yenge, who's gone on loan to a Finnish club called Vassen Polisura, is how I'm going with that. I should have asked Seb for the pronunciation. And he netted twice on his debut, according to TWTD. Um, a lot of people were talking about Tyree Simpson as being a, a, another striking option to be drafted in as we rotate and struggle to find a formula there. Tete Yenge's got big stature and presence. Could, should we not have been talking about him, Greg? Or is this one of those ones, you know, one of these players that kind of is like a, we, ne- we never see him and, and yeah. this might be his time with Ipswich gone? Yeah, well, I suppose it's. Well, we don't know the, the story behind him signing, but it looks like a bit of a shot in the dark, bit of a punt, doesn't it, really? He's 21, I think, as you say, scored a couple of goals in his day. We've got man of the match. Um, they've only just started this season. I think similar to, to um, Ben Morris going over to Sweden, their season start this time of year, don't they? So I think they are both obviously there for, you know, until October, November time, I'd have thought, um, just to get some some games and hopefully some goals. Um I don't think any of us have, have seen him really, have we? So it's difficult for us to say. He, obviously, the difference between him and Simpson is Simpson's got six or so months of of league um, men's experience behind him and a, a decent um, success of, of men's league football behind him as well, which obviously sets him apart, you'd have thought, a little bit from from um, Yengi and uh, Morris. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's just a case of, again, an, um, another development thing, a sink or swim um, see how you get on. It's obviously a completely, completely different um, environment that he's going into compared to the one that Dobra's um, gone into. But you know, these Aussies aren't scared of a bit of travel and a, a bit of seeing something new, are they? You know, a little bit different to little Englanders to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, we'll just see how he goes. Well, I'm sure they'll track his progress. I'm not entirely sure what the level of uh, the Finnish first division is like or the the equivalent. Um, so oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we'll see how he gets on. Um, Mikey seemed to think he was the second coming of Steve Witten, being a, a tall, um, rangy... Oh, well, that's wide, high wide praise, isn't it? Oh. Well, he said it, and I didn't say that. No, he no, said that, good, yeah. and he's never seen... I think he just went on height to be more... Does he not but, celebrate his goals either? I, I should have watched back the footage. We should, they, aren't, they, they aren't on YouTube yet, so we could have, we could have had a look, actually. Yeah, once he slammed in that you know, 30-yard blockbuster with his with his wrong foot we could see if he just turns and strolls back to the halfway line and shrugs it off yeah maybe Keep it on the down line I, I don't know how i'm going to stay away from that to, to this seb but every week i seem to have a bit of a beer in my bonnet on something about twitter which is time wasting less so that teams deploy this as a tactic which is to be under it's understandable if you're away from home against ipswich and you are in the bottom half of the league one maybe above, frankly, Portsmouth, um, that you might seek to manage the game, shall we say, um, and maybe do that at the detriment of the entertainment of the spectacle. Kieran McKenna has uh, been talking about this as well, and and there's lots of stuff about FIFA's proposed introduction of effective playing time rules and capping the minutes and then stopping the clock and all that kind of stuff. Where do you stand on this debate in respect of it, it, it's part of the game. So people like me just need to shut up. I mean, people like me need to shut up anyway, but, or is this something where there's a, the referee, my, my criticism last week certainly was the referee acknowledges that time wasting is happening and doesn't then enforce yeah. or penalize it. 
And I think that's probably where McKenna is coming from and certainly where I'm coming from. Where, where do you stand on this? That's that's the right argument. It's, you know, it is part of the game. We do have to accept that. And, and you know, if we were going away to Anfield or the Etihad, we would do those kind of tactics because it's what little teams do against big teams. You know, that's, that is that is part of the game. We've got to get used to it, especially so next year, because I think we're going to be seeing more and more of it. But the frustration thing is when it goes on for 90 minutes and the ref will only book the keeper who's been taking time over goal kicks for the entire 90 minutes in the 89th minute so that on his report he can say oh I've booked him for time wasting it I've done my part of the job and when they only add on three minutes at the end of a game and there should be at least five or six you know that's the frustration thing it's up to the officials to really really get hold of this and and make sure that the clock on their watches do stop and when we get to the added time it's accurate reflecting all the time wasting that's gone on I don't know if I'm a big fan of this whole stopping the clock thing when the ball's out of play it becomes very NFL-y then doesn't it and suddenly games are going to be sort of two and a half hour spectacles and stuff, I guess. I'm not a big fan of that kind of initiative. I saw what we discussed on the, the pre-match, you know, Pep Guardiola has the uh, the City Academy players as the ball boys and they just chuck the ball straight back on to, you know, reduce that kind of time wasting. But it, it has to start with the officials. It's, it's, it's part of the game. It's not going to go anywhere, but they have to be stronger and they have to be seen to do the right thing and issuing yellow cards because it's the only way you're going to stop it. You know, book a keeper in the third time he does it, which could be as early as midway through the, the first half and it, it cancels it all out for the rest of the game. And that's the only thing I think you can do and also make sure that bloody added time is accurate because so many times Times we're expecting five or six minutes and the ball goes up and it's three and there'll be more time wasting in the three minutes at the end of a game and they won't extend it any further so it has to start with the officials but we're gonna have to get used to this for next year i think and, and Craig, part of this as well is and i, I seem uh, I, I should have read more of my mechanist quotes on this but but part of the issue is is less less that it's running the clock down but more that it's sapping the momentum out of the game apart from booking players there's not much else you can really do about this can you no, that's right. And I think there's sort of there's two different sort of elements to it in that there's the pure gamesmanship whereby a goalkeeper will suddenly suffer from cramp on the 65th minute or the 70th minute and fall to the floor and need to call someone on, which which happened at Portsmouth, unsurprisingly, and which used to happen at Lincoln. I'm not sure what the common denominator here is, but it used to happen at Lincoln, apparently, mm-hmm. that you could pretty much set your watch to the 65th minute of the match and the goalkeeper would get cramp. So either something's going awry here or the goalkeeper needs to have a serious look at his sodium intake because in the 65th minute of every match, he's getting cramped. Um, so you've got, you've got that from one perspective, but then you've got the other one in terms of, you know, taking a long time to take a throw in or taking a long time to take a goal kick. Um, I just think there needs to be some sort of transparency from, oh, can you believe it? Asking for a bit of transparency from officials to say that they are allowed to have 20 seconds to take a goal kick. They are permitted to take 40 seconds to take a goal, whatever it happens to be. And then everyone knows, don't they? I yeah. don't appreciate everyone will then start counting like they used to when the goalkeepers had six seconds six to second get rid roll. of it, yeah. get rid of it in there. And people still do, even though that went to the wayside <laughs> about happened, 20 years ago. Happened against Cambridge. It was hilarious. Yeah. This guy on his Why are people counting? In it the was North just to count. Really loudly. And then, it, and then it, he, he, he finished, he got to six and then turned around to all of us and said, is this not a thing anymore? And all of us went, no, mate, it hasn't been for ages. <laughs> we just like to count every now and again. <laughs> like just, to, count. Just, to, just to keep our skills, you know. It's like my two and a half year old niece. She likes to count as well, but it's pretty impressive when she does it. Yeah. So yeah. I think that, that I think the bit of transparency would have been nice. You know, say, look, you guys can moan and groan all you like, but this guy here has got 30 seconds to pick the ball up, walk to one side of his six-yard box, suddenly think, ah, do you know what? I'm going to walk to the other side of my six-yard box, put the ball down, walk backwards, tap his boots against the post, have a look up the pitch and then decide to kick it. He's allowed to do that because he's got 30 seconds to do it. But we don't know. Mm. So we're, but as Seb says, by the same token, you can't expect teams to come to Portman Road, the the smaller teams, no disrespect to anyone, but the smaller teams come Portman Road and suddenly stick the ball down and take a quick goal kick or take a quick free kick. They're just simply not going to do it. So either we get told how long they've got to do it or we score in the first 10 minutes like we did yesterday. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't happen. Yeah, good point. Yeah, and and a lot of people who are um, constantly replying to me on Twitter and telling me that, that, that that's fair as well. There's something about Ipswich here and the way that we play that we need to combat it. But similarly, what we don't need is referees facilitating it. And that's the point I think I'm making. Acknowledging it and doing nothing about exactly it. Exactly right. Uh, in terms of other disciplinary matters, um, both Ipswich and Cambridge have been charged with a breach of 
FA rule E20.1. I think we all know what that is, so I won't drill into that. Um, but the that's handbags the, rule. The handbags are full-time involving Macaulay Bond and others. Keep, well, I'll come back to that point later because I wonder whether we may see similar infractions or penalties after Shrewsbury anyway. But um, we'll be back after this. With wings more crisp than a James Norwood finish, ribs meatier than Sam Morsey tackle, and chicken tastier than Wes Burns, favourite is Britain's tastiest chicken. And as a listener of the Blue Monday podcast, you can get 20% off by entering BM20 at the checkout. Order direct from their menu at chicken-ipswich.co.uk. They'll deliver anywhere within a 2.7-mile radius of the store. And if you're not quite as local as the Bond family, you can click and collect. The store is located just off Hadley Road. Favourite, Britain's tastiest chicken. Let's head to Shrewsbury. Or is it Shrewsbury? We just... No one knows. It's one of these things. Um, it's like San Diego. Um, let's talk about the lineups uh, to start with. Three changes, Craig for Kieran McKenna and his Ipswich side. Penny for Thompson, Luco for Selena, Backinson for Carroll. Um, there was chatter about in um, illness in the camp pre-match, possibly maybe dealing with one out of those three, maybe two, we don't know, because obviously I think Thompson reappeared, didn't he, in the second half. What, what was your take on these? Obviously, we can only speculate on the illness, but it, it, two of these three changes the things that you would have wanted to see last week against Cambridge question mark I think uh, yeah I think so I think the ones you're obviously relate intimating are um Thompson and and um Backinson sorry Thompson and Carroll for Penny and Backinson um so yeah I got actually no issue with those got no issue with all the changes to be fair because I think those two I would have made and then the front three you can just toss a coin can't you each week and you won't you know, make a decision that anyone's particularly annoyed with and you won't make a decision that anyone's particularly pleased with because, unfortunately for us, nobody is um, in that area of the pitch. You know, nobody's putting their hands up and making themselves undroppable, are they, unfortunately? So until such time as they do, we're simply going to see a, a per, perm any three of five, six, seven players to to fill those gaps until such time as something clicks or we get to the summer and we get the sort of players that um, McKenna wants in. Yeah, poor old Tete Yenge, eh? Uh, Seb, was uh, Chaplin and Norwood keep their um, places in the team? The way that we were on the Blue Monday Telegram group talking about a pre-match was that we thought Chaplin and Norwood would be a front two. You were there on Saturday. Did it look like that for you or was Norwood out on his own? No, Nord was out on his own. They were buzzing around him and trying to get involved, I thought, but it was very much sort of the 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 three, four, two, one, wasn't it? It was the, you know, the, he wasn't up front alongside Nord, I don't think. They tried to get in support of him, but he was definitely the the focal figure. And it, and we talked obviously about Shrewsbury at length on the pre-match show. I don't know if we picked up on Ebanks Landau. We did, did we? yeah, we discussed we it. He was subbed at half time, wasn't he, against um against MK Don. So we said Luke Leahy would likely slot back into the left handed centre back position, which is exactly what happened. And uh, Daniels came into central midfield uh, alongside uh, Josh Vella and Tyrese Fauna. So yeah, the, the expected change that we discussed on the pre match show was was what happened in the end. So I think I think that's correct, apart from. Daniel slotted it on the right wing. Yeah, Bennett, came, Bennett, Bennett, yeah Bennett was central. Yeah, I noticed that about two minutes into the game, he was suddenly central. Although that was unwound in the second half at a crucial juncture, which we'll get onto shortly. We're not going to drill too much into the, the, the action. There's not a huge amount of stuff to talk about. But both of you guys have been talking about positive starts. And to be fair, Seb, it was a positive start. I mean, two carbon copy chances... Right, it was, yeah, we, we started much. really, really well. You know, straight from the kickoff, we were controlling the play. Aluko was getting involved and he was at his silky best. You know, he was finding space and picking the ball up and looking to ping it out wide. We had the one where he put in the lovely reverse pass with Danassian breaking down the wing. He puts a clip ball into to Chaplin, who put it in probably the one place where the keeper could have saved it. Appreciate he's not the biggest guy in the world, but anywhere else. And that's a goal after four minutes. But we carved them open relatively easy. And it was an exact copy two minutes later. You know, Burns and Danassian link up. Danassian keeps his run. He's got Daniel Ado tracking him, who kind of lets him go a little bit. It's a lovely clipped weighted ball. 
Norwood finds that space at the near post and just glances it across the keeper. And it's a, a really, really positive start and, and great play from Danassi. It was a lovely ball. He did all the work with the, the quality of the cross. And all Norwood had to do was get that little touch on it and just glance it. And it was a, a fantastic start. And I was thinking during the pre-match, we were saying this is not going to be a high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. You know, expect an odd goal here or there. I thought, oh, we've scored after six minutes. We should be 2-0 up after six minutes. This is going to be a 3-0 masterclass. And we're going to look like idiots from the pre-match show. But obviously, it didn't work out that way but a, a really really good start and we were in total control until the linesman yeah the, yeah the linesman pulled his whatever it was his quad or his hamstring got injured and that I thought that you know it could have been worse that delay but the you know we, we did we lost a little bit of momentum after the the seven or eight minutes there were of of time getting that situation sorted out I was going to ask you about that uh, it's always a uh, replacement official clacks and yeah always, I, yeah I don't think I've ever heard that in 30 three years of going to football. I'm not sure I've ever heard that before, but yeah, the, the, the cry went up. I'm not entirely sure. I guess he has to be the backup in case somebody else goes goes down because the fourth official becomes the uh, the lines the lines person and the, the guy that's injured becomes the, the fourth official. So yeah, the klaxon went up and a lot of people around me were offering their services in various degrees of inebriation and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so that, 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 that took about 10 minutes. I think it was in the end about seven, yeah, eight, 10 minutes or so. A bit frustrating. The players are trying to keep warm. You know, they're warming up on the pitch and doing ball work to try and keep themselves ticking over. And it was frustrating because we'd started so, so well. The, it's great that the chat, I will, I've got McKenna's post-match, which we'll, go, we'll come on to at the end of the talking about the action, but limited chances, really, though, after that really positive start, there's a deflected effort from Chaplin, um, but really the story for me for the end of the second, um, end of the first half is Morsey's late challenge, which to me is a orange kind of card. Um, and then Shrewsbury kind of slowly get back into it. There's a big chance for Daniels, on 40 minutes where really he should do better. And then Burgess in the 10th minute of injury time in the first half picks up what to me is a pretty meaningless, you know, unnecessary first yellow card, which is going to come back to haunt him at the end. Your your take on those last few bits of action from the first half. Yeah, well, as Seb said, <clears throat> since after the, the linesman got injured, we just sort of went into cruise control and didn't really find the button to come out of cruise control for the for the rest of the match, did we, unfortunately? Um, as you say, Chaplin had that deflected shot and that was all she wrote, really. Um, I think, and but just to quickly go back to the goal, exactly as Seb says, you know, Danassian made that and the reason why it was a good goal is it, it's a first-time cross, wasn't it? And you can, we'll come back to that later, I'm sure, because it was something that was mentioned by Morsey um, post-match about just being a bit braver and having one touch, you know, not having more than one touch because you can, because the team is sit- just because teams are sitting off you doesn't mean you can just you know, play nice football and take two or three touches and make yourself look good. You know, you still need to try and um, make, make, make the most of it while you're on top. Um, so yeah, it just sort of fizzled out, didn't it? We just cruised into the, into half time, And um, as you say about the Morsey tackle, it probably was an orange. It was one of those, as we've seen from him before, where he goes clattering in. Um, and Shrewsbury players, Shrewsbury players weren't um, backwards in coming forward, were they, in terms of trying to maybe t- get the referee to make a, a decision in their favour, shall we say, for most, most challenges for the afternoon. So have you were uh, there and you messaged us sort of suggesting that you didn't, you thought the referee had been overly officious. Do you still stand by that? I, th- I think possibly... I think the calls the were right. I just, challenges I just think... a domino that starts a lot more bookings, and it, you know, by the end of the game, I think that each team had kind of four or five yellow cards. I'm trying to think. But... Yeah, I was just surprised. You know, in this day and age, we tend to see refs not really look to book players so early on. Um, I, I think they were all probably correct. There was one from Pennington, which was a, a really bad challenge, and I think all the bookings were were correct. I was just quite surprised to see it because these days you tend to see refs hold off, really, don't you? Not to give too many cards out. It tends to be they have words these days and stuff, and. And the Morsey one, I thought, I thought he was going to go. To be honest, we all did. We, it looked really. I, I know you guys have got the the benefit of the, the, the seeing it on the, the YouTube and the replays and stuff. But in the ground, it looked very, very late, and we were all a little bit nervous there. Then suddenly, the players are surrounding him. Thankfully, Norwood got involved there. So you know, last week he's picking a fight for no reason in the corner flag for for, for Thompson. This one, he's sticking up for his teammate, and he's the only player getting in there to shut the Shrewsbury players up. So I've got no issue with, with him doing that one. And that was a worry that that Morsey one because I suddenly thought, oh, we could be in a bit of trouble here. Brenner, Brenner had an issue with with Norwood getting involved yesterday. And oh, I, I, couldn't, 
I couldn't believe. It. I thought, well, hang on a second. You can't have he had you know, to there, Morsey, yeah. Morsey fighting his own battle amongst yeah. eight Shrewsbury players who were surrounding the ref. Nord got got in there and cleared a few of them out, which is absolutely bloody fine by from my perspective. And just a quick one about another decision is: do you remember they, the the Walton had nearly sort of handballed it, maybe handballed it outside the area when he was him and Burgess had a bit of a misunderstanding as the ball was another time the ball was knocked over Burgess and he was sort of running out of his goal. I thought that looked quite close to being a handball outside the area. But Maybe VAR. It's where we don't want VAR, do we? So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Into the second half, I mean, the pattern is, is pretty consistent in terms of Ipswich dominant in the, in the possession, but lacking the clear-cut chances. The best one falls for Luke Lee, who nearly, it's a lovely side foot volley from a, from a left-wing cross, which Morosi has to go down and save. But for me, guys, and Seb, um, I'll come to you on this because we obviously talked about um, Shrewsbury. Um, Wally coming on for Daniels and Bennett going out to right wing back and Wally, 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 Wally going into the centre seems to put Shrewsbury into a more more understanding and Rampegs, round holes, all that kind of stuff. Do you? Agree yeah, with that? it does. You know, yeah, Daniels, the guy that came in in the right wing back role, is a uh, is 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 a, he's a defender, isn't he? He's, sorry, sorry, he's a midfielder. Very, very quickly on that, Seb. I know it's down the other end for you, but that header in the first half that he missed was a real sitter, wasn't it? And oh yeah, he should have scored. Yeah, that was a Walton massive left off. You know. Yeah, Penny back. has to be stronger there. It's poor from Penny, and that was a real real left off because they hadn't threatened at all in the game. You know that that was the first chance they had, and they they really should have scored that. We kind of thought we could see the ball coming over. And we kind of thought, oh, this is going to be one-one, but thankfully, he really, really messes up. He's not the biggest guy, but Penny for me has to do has to do better there. But yeah, Bennett goes out to the the right-hand side. I guess now you've got that bit of experience of a, a player playing in his proper position. And while he just kind of found, he kept finding the space off, you know, off of, of of Bowman, the main striker, he kept finding that little pockets of space. And I guess as we'll discuss with the goal, he's in the right place at the right time. But the overall tempo and intensity of the match just just completely dropped. It became very much a end of season, two mid-table sides who can't go up and can't go down and they'll knock the ball around. And, you know, just before, we'll talk about Burgess in a minute, just before the Burgess incident, you've got Selena and Bon about to come on. So I think McKenna was about to freshen things up and try and change things to get that killer second goal. Um, but it just completely petered out. It was nothing like the first half. And I think Joe put the XG, didn't he, in, in, in our Telegram group showing, you know, the second half and it's just completely plateaued for the... For the second 45 minutes, nothing happened. It was two sides knocking the ball around and not really creating much at all. And it was all, all a bit dull and a bit boring, to be honest. Yeah. And yeah, I was I, my notes mentioned the, the dual substitution that was being readied. But we have this moment which is, there's an, uh, well, I'll ask you the question. Burgess gets sent off, spoiler alert. Number one, he's fouled off the ball by Bowman, which isn't spotted, which probably riles him up. But yeah. frankly, Seb, why is the, why is the centre back there, and why is he doing what he's doing? And in yeah. your opinion, is this the momentum switcher for Shrewsbury to go for it? I guess it probably is, isn't it? It is, yeah. I mean, he should have stayed down, shouldn't he? He gets he gets fouled, and if he stays down and rolls around a little bit, the referee probably gives a a free kick, but he doesn't, and he's just got a rush of blood, hasn't he? You know, it's a really silly thing to do. He doesn't actually touch the. It didn't look like he touched the keeper. I can't see on the replays. I don't think he actually catches him, but it's the intent, isn't it? You can't. You can't do that. And he's the left-sided centre-back. And, you know, there's no reason why he should be should be doing that in that position at that time of the game. And it just gives them a natural lift. Because, like I said, the game was completely petering out. The crowd was quite quiet. The away crowd wasn't that noisy in the second half. It was petering out to a 1-0 win that will take in our, take in our pockets and go back down the motorways back to Suffolk and, and look to build for the Easter weekend. And it was it was that moment, you know, they get such a big lift from it. And that really made the, the difference to their crowd. Because suddenly they're a bit more fired up. And we started to defend very, very deep. Obviously, the double substitution is immediately cancelled. Thompson comes on instead and slots in at the left centre-back position. So it becomes a a 3-4-1 with Norwood still as the focal point. But we were dropping so, so deep. And it was just kind of wave after wave of of attack from Shrewsbury. But it didn't really lead to much at all until one person's in the right place at the right time with a hell of a strike. Tell us about this one, Craig. So it's Steve Witten-esque, isn't it? What part? The the Thompson knockdown or the no. or the volley <laughs> from twenty five yards. You tell um, us. Just but just to sort of just to go on that, and I'm sure if, if you if you looked at your um attacking momentum sofa I'll score dig it out if you want. graph, yeah, you'll you'll see exactly as Seb was saying, is that you know, the second half barely registered a 
a blip from our perspective, or certainly didn't from Shrewsbury's perspective. They didn't do anything at all second half until such time. You can probably see exactly when Burgess was sent off and when their attacking intent sort of um, came into play. Um, but unfortunately, ours never really, never really got going second half at all, did it? Um, and yeah, so their goal came pretty much out of nothing. It was a, it was a punt forward from inside their own half from the left back area, just inside their own half, left wing back area. Um, Thompson, who is now taken Burgess's place, um, is up against Bowman, I think it is. Um, and to fair, Thompson does win the header, but had it been Burgess there, he may have got a bit more purchase on it and got it a bit further up the pitch. Um, as it was, it drops 25 yards out invitingly, shall we say, on the on the volley. Um, or it bounces once then on the volley for Sean Wally on the volley to... Um, <laughs> who wasn't holding an uh, um, umbrella um, to sort of slice, I'm going to say it, sliced it outside of the foot, didn't he? It was always just curling away from Walton. And as soon as he hit it and you saw the sort of angle he was making as he was hitting it, you knew it was going to be slight, just fading away. Does that what golfers say? Yep. Cool. Nice. Um, away from Walton into the into the top corner. It just You just Does knew. You just knew the post as well? Is it yeah. that good? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It just had had that sort of parabola on it, didn't it? As well, that the, the oh. sort of just looped away. Cross, it's early in the morning, mate, and I'm firing out it's these good, words. This, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't get you wouldn't get that if it was an evening recording, mate. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it just unfortunately, it's probably what we deserved. Not from um, the, you know the 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 fact that it was wave of wave of attack in the second half, but the fact that it was our um, ineffectualness, ineffectiveness. Um, in the second half, and since, as Seb said, since the linesman got injured, yeah, as you can see from here that way to here, this point here for you listening on audio, it's about here um, that Burgess gets <laughs> that Burgess gets sent off, and you can sort of see the. Um, but look, the and, and to your momentum. point that you're just making as well, the attacking momentum graph here. Apologies for folk listening on the pod. Um, it's the stacked graph that shows which team is on top, and even in the second half. There's a lot of Ipswich Town blue, but the bar does not go particularly far down, does it? It's no. kind of it, this illustrates the kind of point that we've been making there that we might have been yeah. dominant in respect to possession, but in no means is it attacking yeah. or um, chance creating possession. No, no, and it's and it's something that we've seen time and time again, certainly recently, and certainly against and against the and again I'm going to use it. I don't really mean it. The smaller teams, the the teams that are lower in the division. We just seem to be wanting to play this sort of lovely, lovely tournament, pre-season friendly football, knocking it around 30 yards away from their goal without breaking our balls to get into the box, playing a first-time ball like Danassian did in the first half and, you know, actually flooding the box and get some shots away for some reason. Yeah, well, this is so... Uh, I'll give you McKenna's post-match thoughts in a second. Now, it, the discipline stuff, Seb, and again, with... Um, the FA rule E, what was it? E20.1 in, in our mind. There's some real handbags at the away end. Danassian has it, Brenner said, has his hands up or something, doesn't he? I think. They both, yeah, they, they both did. It was, a, it was a tackle by Burns has a challenge. He gives away a free kick. And then, yeah, it was a bit of a nasty, a nasty challenge. Then Danassian objects to it and it just all kicks off from there. And was it the third game in a row now? We've seen these mini kind of flare ups. I know we had the. The thing on the news about it at the start, you know, is it frustration? Is it? I, I don't know what it is, but it's. It's. I was surprised he didn't ask him to get involved because normally he's so calm and cool and collected. You know, if it was Norwood in there throwing throwing punches and throwing hands, you kind of accept it. But I was surprised at Danassi, and I guess that shows they are, as a side, incredibly frustrated with how it's gone, and we we might find ourselves in trouble again. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Certainly because some of the other challenges were a bit tasty as well. But as you said, possibly end of season, you're not getting in the playoffs frustration and that's your lot um another uh, kind of the, the sense that i had building when the sending off happened was this is another oxford waited to happen and it's proven to be the case and mckenna morsey's post match is excellent by the way if you go and listen to that on the club twitter mckenna's thoughts i think the main frustration at the moment is um uh, we haven't done enough when the game is one nil stuff can happen, especially at this level away from home. We allowed the game to be still open at 75 minutes when really the game should be have been dead in terms of the quality of our performance. That's the main frustration. That's a big step we need to make to develop that mindset and that quality in the group to be ruthless, 
to make sure that we're when we're as dominant as we are today, it's case closed by the time we get to the stage of the game that the red card happened. We, I mean, Craig, we can't really complain. Again, McKenna is cut to the chase. He's pretty honest and there. I guess now the the burden is on him to sort it out, isn't it? Yes, it, and it's not the first time we've heard him say it. And, and I think, to be fair, I think everyone who, who watched the game um, for whoever, whatever means they watched it pretty much had exactly the same thoughts after it, is that, you know, you, you just need to score more than one goal when you're playing well and on top, relatively on top in the matches, because other teams will. And it goes back again to what we were talking about two or three weeks ago, is about scoring these ugly goals. Because they stop trying to score the perfect goal. You know, when you do, when you... Like the goal yesterday was just a lovely goal, wasn't it? It was a one-two down the wing, first-time ball. The, the striker's making the run at the right time because he knows the ball's coming in first time. He hasn't got to stutter his run because he knows the guy's going to take two or three touches. And it's similar to the Oxford goal. Inside the fullback, cross, goal. You know, and you will score those goals during the season. But you do need someone to score from a corner. You do need someone to score from a free kick. You do need someone just to get a ball in the box and create some havoc and it breaks to someone and they slam it home from... 10 yards you, know, you do need those goals as well because you know you need some supplement to to the ones to the nice goals so I think everyone saw the game in the same way um and unfortunately it's just unfortunately for us it just so happens that when we are on top and aren't scoring it doesn't take an awful lot for for opposition to uh, to score against us whether that be a scrappy goal or whether it be a world you like it was was yesterday yeah um, or a set piece yeah yeah well one of the things actually mckenna was sorry just to just to say just to add he did say and i've got it written down here we can't fall in love with ourselves <laughs> yeah. one of the things he said and that's i thought that was quite an interesting little phrase there because he's obviously i'm assuming interpreting that he's saying that we can't keep playing this lovely pre-season football as i'll call it just knocking it around and looking nice and taking a couple of touches and recycling it, etc. There are some points in the time where we're just going to have to try and get it in the box and be a bit more direct in terms of our um, impetus rather than the, the balls themselves. Um, because, you know, we, we need to score more than one goal at the moment to, to win games. And as, 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 as you said or alluded to, it's the bravery for someone to find a pass. You know, I, think there, I think the runs are there possibly, but it's, it's not cutting back. And, and passing square and resetting the move. It's sometimes I'm going to take my man on. Or the big issue we've got is when folk do surge down the wing and bend across in, there's usually minimal bodies in there. So getting people forward more than Morsey and or Norwood, you know, that's something that we're going to have to work on. But, you know, at least at least we're identifying these issues now. It's kind of yeah. Seb and I did sliding doors, Roy Keane, you know, a few months ago. And, his assessment of the team is utterly skewed said by Gio, wasn't it? Mm. And mm-hmm. I think he said that he had this false sense of confidence in the team and McKenna yeah. Seb hasn't necessarily got that issue. He knows that what we're capable of, but also knows these frailties as well and they can be worked on. They can be, yeah. We've also, we seem to have stopped shooting from range recently. You know, there were a couple of times yesterday where certainly Bakkerson had one and Aluko had one and you're thinking to yourself, you know, just just get the shot off. But we just seem to dilly-dally on the ball and, and, and look to, you know, like you and Craig said, pass it out wide again. So I, I don't know why we suddenly stopped doing that because there was one in the first half, we had a bit of a, not, not that much of a long range, but somebody had a go and it just hits one of their players, but it deflects and the keeper has to get down Tracking quickly to make yeah, the save. Yeah, and, and Norwood is running in. So, you yeah. know, sometimes you can get lucky with stuff like that and for whatever reason we've completely stopped doing that recently which is which is a strange one we always seem to have to score that that perfect goal and well as you see if you don't do it then things like yesterday happen and that's why we are ninth in league one i just wonder whether sometimes isn't it sorry the the goals we score now are from within the six yard box in the center of the goal they're high if again if you're an an analytical coach these are the goals that you want to score because the odds are that you convert them more often than not so from that perspective, it makes sense. But as you guys are both saying, and probably Craig is saying, just have a crack. You can't you know? always rely on that. Yeah. 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 So I don't know whether it's because uh, they're so drilled into playing, getting these patterns of play right, which when they, you know, they do happen many times during a match um, that they, that their sort of mindset is skewed more to looking for that pass inside the fullback, et cetera, et cetera, rather than having a pop. And whether it's a combination of, as you say, Rich, that from an analysis perspective, the XG is, so low from having a shot from 30 yards, 25 yards, that they're told, I don't know, we're guessing it, they're told not to have one. And it's more likely that if you do play inside and get across in, 
you're far more likely to score from that opportunity than you are from having a crack from 20, yeah. 30 yards. But but as you as you said, Rich, exactly right, is that our failings are our failings, and they haven't changed since McKenna sort of joined. Really, they're they're the same failings in each match. So it's not as if one match we're doing this wrong and the next match we're doing that wrong, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's pretty much the same issue we've got each match, and that we can't put teams away. Um, so therefore, it does give him something to work on, whether it be from a a coaching training ground perspective or from a recruitment perspective in the in the summer. Hopefully, I was going to say recruitment's a factor here as well. You know, the, the lack there's there is a lack, and I would also I'd, I'd I'd include Burns in this as well. I think Burns has kind of fallen into a pattern of the way that he plays, which is quite predictable. Now he needs to get back to being the kind of explosive. Maybe maybe injuries are a factor here as well. But the lack of a Selena yesterday means there isn't anyone really on the field who could lob the keeper from 30 yards or ping a free kick. And I think, as you to, to your point, I know these are kind of luxury type players. You do need a couple of options there. Bench option, perhaps an explosive striker, a Jackson with the pace kind of thing. That's this kind of another dimension to the team to try to create those chances. So maybe recruitment will deal with that. Yeah. Um, I think it's, no, it's nothing new, is it? You know, we, we know, yeah. we know that McKenna hasn't probably got the strikers he wants. And he's as, as by virtue of him having a, a different free pretty much every single week, then the, the, the players either aren't there or they're not grabbing a place to cement their, cement their place. So yep. what can he do? Yep. Let's jump into the questions. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you want to protect yourself whilst online or just get access to more streaming content, NordVPN has the solution for you. And are now in partnership with us here at Blue Monday. NordVPN can be your cyber bodyguard whilst you're browsing online, but it also allows you to access more streaming content from abroad like sporting events, box sets or films. With one click of a button, NordVPN can digitally transport you to the US, Australia or Amsterdam. For the price of an ITSE match programme each month, you can subscribe to NordVPN and have access to these great services. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, head to nordvpn.com slash bluemonday or click the link in the podcast description. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, so get yourself a great deal and support the podcast in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Jumping in, there we go. Let's start with Mullet, who I think was carpooling with Seb yesterday. So I'll put this one to you, Seb. You might have already discussed it with him on the way back. Uh, would you play Baggett next week in place of Burgess or have Thompson mimicking um, or have Thompson mimicking Dynastian on Wolfie's left and trying to use Penny and Burns as more of a balanced pair of wing backs. We we chatted about this year. We both uh, we both came to the conclusion I think that we would start Baggett's. You know, he's he's naturally left sided centre back. I don't think you're going to learn much if you put Thompson there. Thompson's not the biggest either. Which against the likes of Michael Smith at Rotherham, you know, you have to be physically in that kind of battle. So you know, the, the game doesn't mean anything. Don't, if 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 it's got something riding on it, then you probably want experienced heads out there a little bit. But personally, I would start him. I'd have Wolfie in the middle. Dastin on the right, and I would start Baggett's and, and, and see what he can do because, you know, it's important. We've discussed recently in recent weeks about pathways and stuff, and, you know, I think it's a great chance for him to suddenly get involved now at, you know, what in theory should be a – they're not in great form, but it's, it's a very much a big game, um, and uh, let's, see, let's see what he can do. And he's a bit taller than Thompson, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, much more physical, yeah, exactly. So against Michael Smith, you want that natural physicality, don't you? Yeah, he's well, a lot no, 
sorry, one player we didn't it... mention yesterday um, is, I'll come to you, Craig, don't worry, is Wolfenden. You know, Shrewsbury were not going to score he was excellent. Yeah. any other type of goal yesterday apart from one they ended up with because Wolfen said was just so absolutely excellent. His reading of the game these days is, is phenomenal, you know, but and he's got that recovery pace as well to get the, the, the few times players do seem to, to get the better of him. He just recovers effortlessly and mops up. You know, he's he's absolutely purring through games at the minute. I've got no idea what Paul Cook was thinking, not playing him and playing, you know, NCR and stuff ahead of him. Absolutely ridiculous because, you know, we've got this massive asset that we've just completely underutilized for the first half of the season. And yeah, this is the Wolfenden that we, we saw from two two years ago he's he's strolling through games he, he's taking responsibility on himself because that that center of the back three can be a bit of a tricky position you know you've got to marshal the two the two guys either side of you and he's he's just absolutely he's a Rawls Royce of a defender at this level at the moment and hopefully we can keep him going into going into next season because he's making it all look so effortless unfairly excluded from the player of the season vote when you say Craig the half player of the, se- the half player of the half season yeah <laughs> sorry um, you were to say no, no, just quickly about Bagger, and then I quickly want to Wolfen. Um, I personally, yeah, I think it's just a perfect opportunity to to play him. You know, he's got two centre halves that normally play there aren't there. It's not as if he's coming in complete from the cold because he's been on the bench previously, hasn't he? He's training with the first team, so it's not as if he's being dragged in from the youth team to suddenly play. Um, I'd play him. I think McKenna will play Thompson personally. I think he'll yeah. go for the safety-ish first option. I think you're probably right. FPL um, Tractor, I'll, I'll lob this question into you, Craig, um, for you to head straight at the goalkeeper, maybe. Cameron Verges said the players are playing for their futures in these final games. Did today affect his? Oh. Uh, yeah, possibly. Um, it's not not ideal, is it? There's, there's, you don't really want that sort of... As Seb said, there was no reason for him to make the challenge, really, that... There's no reason for to be in that position. I can't imagine Cameron Burgess has really ever found himself in that position playing left centre half for yeah. certainly for Accrington. I can't imagine he did, and he hasn't done for us yet so far in the, in the games that he's played. And for all of a sudden, find himself after 75 minutes six yards away from uh, the opposition guy. He's probably got you know, a bit of envy looking out the other side with Danassian you know, up near the corner flag. I thought I'll have, yeah. I'll have some of that. Um, but no, he's been an he's been an adequate. Um, replacement, I think, you know, certainly for the first couple of games, he hadn't really noticed that Edmondson wasn't playing. Um, but then yesterday, he sort of, he got caught out a couple of times, as we spoke about, or as you spoke about, Rich, about the booking, is with his old failing of getting turned relatively high up the pitch. Wasn't yeah, it was Bowman, wasn't it? Dragging back, yeah. And then also that, that little mix-up with Walton, where he might have handballed it outside the area, was another instance of it just being dropped in um, behind him. So it looks like that um, frailty is still there. He's, he's fine for a backup, but having spent what, three quarters of a million pound on him um, and associated wages, you know, is he, is he an expensive backup when you've got Ndaba potentially and Baggett, if he's around and not gone out on loan, you know, both left footers to, to cover that position. You, you may not be surprised if he does um, disappear, if we do start integrating um, Ndaba into the team, for example. Yeah, hashtag pathways. And I'd, I'd quite like to see Ndaba in the team having... Had a whole season at Salford. Um, yeah, well, it's the reason why they do it, isn't it? It's exactly the reason why they go out and play League League Two football, is to come and play League One football the year after. Exactly right. FBR Tractor is one member of the Blue Monday aforementioned Telegram group. So is Matt Macon, Seb. And he asks, and we've probably dealt with it, but I will pitch it to you anyway. Another case of two Trump, two, two Trumps pointed. Two points drops, words early. As we didn't push our advantage enough when on top, does the esteemed panel, his words, have any suggestions on how McKenna addresses the lack of goals in the summer ready for next season? We know he's going to recruit bodies up front, isn't he? I'm guessing that, you know, it wouldn't be inconceivable, Jackson aside, if Bond, Piggott and Norwood suddenly weren't here at the first game in August. And we'll get to finally see, A, what he wants from his front players. Judging from what Jackson does, it's going to be that pacey, athletic, able to start the press kind of player. And B, what formation he wants to play. We still don't really know if he's going to stick with the the, the three at the back. But the, the great thing is, you know, rather than, after games with Cook and Lambert, where they just come out and say, either we've played brilliantly, couldn't ask for any more of the lads, or we've been rubbish, we'll work on it in the training pitch. You know, McKenna properly comes out and identifies these things. So you've got, well, I have, I've got total faith in him being able to, to, to sort it with a mixture of recruitment and coaching. And Alex, another member of the FPL, um, FP, 
Seriously, guys, I was up to watch this morning. I was, I've had two. I watched. I was up at five because I wanted to watch the F one, which was a mistake, probably. Don't don't Alex... get fooled here. We're not we're not recording this at five thirty a.m. It is nine twenty nine. Oh no! Oh, no, 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 no. I've got no excuses. Um, Alex Hare, another member of the Blue Monday Telegram group, very well. Um, yeah, received at the moment. Um, despite being very good defensively, now we need to score more goals. So is a number nine vital for next season? How convinced are you that both? or one or of the other of Chapman and Selena will be the perfect to alongside them. Can they contribute 10 goals and assist each Seb? You know, we talked about the strikers, but is there some recruitment? You know, I don't want, everyone really likes Aluko and I really do as well, but actually his goal contributions. He's not a numbers man. Even Selena's goal contributions aren't fantastic. You know, is that something that we need to address as well? You know, it's not just the strikers. Yeah, potentially it's the service. We need to find a system that really gets the best out of those kind of players because I'm not sure Chaplin is necessarily playing. I don't, I'll be honest, I, I don't. I didn't watch much of Barnsley last year, so I couldn't really tell you where Chaplin's best position is. Is he a wide player? Is he a number ten? Is he is he, is he an up top in a in a two kind of player? We just got to find a system that kind of suits him. Aluko, yeah, numbers wise, it's not great, but I, I really enjoy the you know the close control, the awareness, and. If pre-assists were a thing, which I don't know if they are in football, he'd probably be very highly up there because some of the weighted passes he puts through, you know, have uh, uh, have telling contributions. Selena for me is is the the one who could potentially next year, you know, if we could get him, I, I would personally break the bank to get it done. If we could get him with a full pre-season, he could be absolutely superb and do kind of Scott Twine numbers because I think he's been let down a little bit with his assists by strikers missing chances. I can think of two or three straight off right the bat that week. Bottoms missed. The one that Burns put wide against Plymouth. You know, there have been so many chances that Selena's put through for people and they've not taken. So for me, he could be the, the crucial one, but it will depend on finding, you know, a, a system that suits our best players, and we've got to get that that front three or the two behind the striker or the two or the one behind. We've got to get that part of the pitch nailed down in the summer, haven't we? Yeah. Yep. Alex asks, so Alex says about, you know, which one of Chaplin and Selena is going to get 10 goals, 10 assists. Well, Selena will probably get the 10 assists and Chaplin could potentially get the 10 goals. But, you know, you need someone to do both or eight of eight of each. They don't, they're a bit lopsided, aren't they, if you know what I mean? And as Seb said about those three that, currently play behind the striker we can't we can't go into next season with the same three can we someone's got to go haven't they you can't have yeah. selena aluko and chaplin all in the squad doing probably a big job. big money as well if we're yeah. honest just doesn't seem to fit yeah seb would you um would you raid shrewsbury for Leahy and udo uh no not okay not, to be honest Fine. no not based on what i've seen lehi has got a nice left foot with delivery but he was caught out a couple of times and and, and out of position think... though. Six goals, eight six eight goals, six assists. Six assists. Is it, yeah, no, I personally no, I think we'll be shopping right. higher up the, the food chain, so to speak. If we if we are raiding Shrewsbury yeah. in the <laughs> summer for our promotion chasing team, no disrespect to anyone at Shrewsbury, but I think the the perception from an Ipswich Town fan base might be a little bit underwhelmed. We'll be paying lower championship end wages, and that's the kind of player surely we'll be going after. Fair enough. We'll end with these um, two questions, which are very similar, and two and from two people called Dan Greg. Um, one of the main reasons, says Dan Board, for last summer's clear out was that Ashton and Co. I think more Cook and Co. To be fair, felt the squad was mentally weak. Is the squad they assembled mentally stronger than last year's based on this season? And Dan Connors asks, two games in a row where the players have lost it a bit, showing a bit of fight or pressure on them to show they deserve to be here next season. Your thoughts on the mental capacity, capability, whatever word you want to use for the squad and whether that's something we need to address as well. Um, well, I, I think just in terms of the second, the second, Dan, the second question about, I, I think I agree with Seb. I think it's just a frustration. It's that point of the season, you know, where a handful of games, at the end of the season, we're not going to go anywhere. We probably see it as a missed opportunity, certainly in the last month or so, six weeks that we've, we've let slip from our grasp. So, probably getting the frustration that we're not being able to see these games out and that's just sort of overflowing on, on the pitch. Um, from a mentality perspective, I don't know. I don't know if that was one of the reasons why we had the clear out. Um, I think just people have got a bit stale, I think, in terms of they've been there so long and it simply wasn't working. I, 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 you know, To become a professional footballer in the third tier as it is at the moment, you've got to be pretty mentally strong to, to get that far and to continually play. I appreciate you may not have the performances each week. And even if you don't have performance to, to suffer the crap that you get thrown at you because of it, 
you have to be pretty meant you know, by idiots with headphones on their heads. You have, be, you have to be pretty bloody mentally strong to ignore it. And if you do see it, ignore it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, th I think the, the captain will help in that respect. I don't think he's one to, um, you know, let people get away with it. I don't, we don't know what happens behind the scenes, but I imagine he's pretty much a, a driving force in that respect. Um, I can't imagine he wants to be playing the tail end of his career in uh, in League One for too much longer. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what sort of characters, should we say, we do get um, in the in the summer. Um, because, you know, the, the, the more fiery... Um, characters that we talk about Norwood you can't really imagine he won't be around um in the summer um but what does that leave you do need a few um warriors shall we say in there and our, our center halves by all, you know as we we're all saying you know Christ Almighty Wolfenden's playing like a thoroughbred at the moment strolling through games albeit in league one um but between him and Danassian and Burgess as it was yesterday none of them are particularly Know, warrior types and street fighters are they um, which you which you probably do need a few of uh, to get out yeah this level do you feel guilty that ever since you called him out um yellow shoes man has disappeared presumably yeah, he's involved in sports psychology no no he was he's, he's been at there. the home he's been at the home matches i just haven't been taking okay. photos of him anymore and stalking him oh, okay, so I, know, fine. I now know who he is but i don't know if he was there yesterday i didn't see the bench but he, he's certainly been at um at okay Fine. I'm sorry for calling you out instead. There you go. Um, thank you, as always, everyone, for your questions. Um, really helpful in driving that debate forward. Some really good answers there from the gentleman as well. The esteemed panel. We'll see if Matt agrees with that when he hears this back later on. Let's do a little bit of roundup, albeit what's the point? Some key <laughs> results. AFC Wimbledon probably felt good for themselves with their, yeah, I can't see what Seb's doing because I've covered up his, there he is, he can still find him. Um, AFC women are probably the happiest team of the day, stopping MK Dons from um, making second spot more theirs. Points dropped by Sheffield Wednesday, points dropped by Plymouth, um, points dropped by Portsmouth, um, points dropped by Wickham, points, you know, <laughs> points dropped by Oxford, but uh, it doesn't matter at this stage. Here's the, the league table with Wigan in pole position with a three-point gap and two games in hand. Oh, look at Oxford. Place. Oh, what a shame. Streaky Oxford. Oxford. I told three. you. I had oh. two predictions. I thought Sheffield Wednesday would be in, would do the second half of the season surge. And I told you that Oxford had a streak in them. And three games on the bounce, Good. they have lost. So there you go. Uh, the top six. Well, yeah, Wigan, MK, Rotherham have two games in hand, though. I think they've got a load of Tuesday nights coming up. So their form, as you can see, is stuttering as well. Two defeats on the bounce there. Did they lose yesterday to Charlton? There you yeah, go. Yeah. Um, the playoffs consist of, as long as, along with Rotherham, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, with Wickham just outside. Um, is that your top six now? Are you thinking Wickham? Have they got any Sunderland and Wickham? Is it going to yo-yo a little bit more, guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It depends on who's ruthless winning. I think, I think oh. MK Dons will still finish in the playoffs. I think Rotherham might turn it round, and uh, given the games in hand, I think it'll be a Wigan Rotherham top two. Fair enough, and they'll be looking to restart their automatic campaign with Ipswich next week on the telly, which will be exciting for all of us, I'm sure. That's uh, the end of things in respect of the weekend that's just been. Let's talk about what's coming up next week. We mentioned the Rotherham game there. I suspect, and if you tweet us at Blue Monday ITFC or to any of the guys here, that we might do a watch along for the Rotherham game, given it's on the telly. Um, so if that's something that you'd be interested in, or if it's one of these things where you kind of don't want to look, then let us know. We'll, we'll make a decision partway through the week. Obviously, a, no midweek fixture for us to be worrying about. So we'll have our usual run of shows. We'll be doing a Wednesday night Q&A which have been really good recently. So get involved in those. You can help shape the conversation there with any Ipswich Town related or possibly golf or cricket related at this point of the year. So we very welcome the conversation being a little bit more broader than necessarily football. Uh, so that will be back on Wednesday with with three people or two people TB TBC. Uh, Seb is off on holiday, lucky him. So we'll be having a week off from the pre-match show, but that will return probably for a double bubble for Rotherham and Wigan. Wow, that will be short and um, not a huge amount of positive stuff to think about in that game that'd be two tough fixtures but that will be out as usual on friday and then the flagship shows possibly 
one times or two, maybe, depending on what we want to do for the Easter games. But keep a lookout for everything on Blue Monday, itfc.co.uk, for all the show details on there. And as we mentioned before as well, if you want to get involved in the Blue Monday Telegram group uh, via our friends at Leveller, uh, two-week free trial and then a subscription to get involved in that. But guys, I've, I've mentioned it a few times purely because it's now become kind of an integral part of our conversation, isn't it? Really enjoyable. And yeah. kind of like the good old days of Twitter is kind of how we're describing it, isn't it? Yeah, so. no, it's really good. I'm really, really enjoying it. And as you've, you guys have said on the pre-match show, there's a few different chats to join. So you've got like the, the ITFC general chat, a general football chat, a match day chat, a dart stroke golf stroke cricket stroke angling stroke patonk chat as well so yeah it just it's Kabaddi. just nice and it's just people just having a chat and being civil to it can you believe yeah. this people having a chat and being civil to it. and if they don't agree they just have a chat about it and discuss why one of the others might not agree with each other rather than calling someone a effing idiot you know you know nothing about football <laughs> block, why don't you block, clear block, off block. Yeah. yes yeah we've got Good. Yeah, and house rules and everything. So do join us there. All the details you need are also on the website, but we will, I think I mentioned this on the pre-match and didn't do it, but we'll do a retweet so you can join us there. But people joining us all the time. So really dynamic group there and yeah, really enjoyable match day chat as well. So that um, is something there. I've, I think I've stopped, I'll stop talking now. I've noticed that we're out an hour and I feel like my brain is, maybe I've had too much caffeine. Maybe that's the issue. Seb, thank you for your input as always. Craig, thank you for yours everyone thank you for your questions and um any any words we need to also say we're sponsoring itfc women v chichester and Chelsea, which is where i'm going on after this so we're very much looking forward to that we'll talk about that next week as well um if you are listening to this just before the game it's not too late come down to felix so get involved it's a lovely sunny day so hopefully see plenty of you there and who wants to say the final words seb i'll let you you're usually good with the final words so i'll, I'll come to you thank you craig uh, yeah, four games to go, and then we can see the Kieran McKenna era really look to, to, to take shape. Um, have a great week, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.